Jacob Jones, or the Man Who Couldn't Get Along in the World, by T. S. Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jacob Jones, or the Man Who Couldn't Get Along in the World. Jacob Jones was clerk in a commission store at a salary of $500 a year. He was just 22 and had been receiving this salary for two years. Jacob had no one to care for but himself, but somehow or other it happened that he did not lay up any money, but instead usually had from 50 to $100 standing against him on the books of his tailors. "'How much money do you have laid by, Jacob?' said one day the merchant who employed him. This question came upon Jacob rather suddenly, and, coming from the source that it did, was not an agreeable one, for the merchant was a very careful and economical man. "'I haven't laid by anything yet,' replied Jacob, with a slight air of embarrassment. "'You haven't?' said the merchant in surprise. "'Why, what have you done with your money?' "'I've spent it somehow or other.' "'It must have been somehow or other, I should think, or somehow else,' returned the employer, half seriously and half playfully. "'But really, Jacob, you are a very thoughtless young man to waste your money.' "'I don't think I waste my money,' said Jacob. "'What, then, have you done with it?' asked the merchant. "'It cost me the whole amount of my salary to live.' The merchant shook his head. "'Then you live extravagantly for a young man of your age and condition. "'How much do you pay for boarding?' Four dollars a week. "'Too much buy from fifty cents to a dollar. "'But even paying that sum, four more dollars per week, "'ought to meet fully all your other expenses "'and leave you what would amount to nearly one hundred dollars per annum to lay by. "'I saved nearly two hundred dollars a year on a salary no larger than you receive.' "'I should like very much to know how you did it. "'I can't save a cent. "'In fact, I hardly ever have ten dollars in my pocket.' "'Where does your money go, Jacob? "'In what way do you spend a hundred dollars a year "'more than is necessary?' "'They are spent, I know, "'and that is pretty much all I can tell about it,' replied Jacob. "'You can certainly tell by your private account book.' "'I don't keep any private accounts, sir.' "'You don't?' in surprise. No, sir, what's the use? My salary is five hundred dollars a year and wouldn't be any more nor less if I kept an account of every half cent of it. <laughs> the merchant said no more. His mind was made up about his clerk. The fact that he spent five hundred dollars a year and kept no private account was enough for him. He'll never be any good to himself nor anybody else. Spent his whole salary. <laughs> Keep no private account. <laughs> this was the opinion held of Jacob Jones by his employer from that day. The reason why he had inquired as to how much money he had saved was this. He had a nephew, a poor young man, who, like Jacob, was a clerk, and showed a good deal of ability for business. His salary was rather more than what Jacob received, and, like Jacob, he spent it all, but not on himself. He supported, mainly, his mother and a younger brother and sister. A good chance for a small but safe beginning was seen by the uncle, which would require only about a thousand dollars as an investment. In his opinion, it would be just the thing for Jacob and the nephew. 
supposing that Jacob had four or five hundred dollars laid by, it was his intention, if he approved of the thing, to furnish his nephew with a like sum, in order to join him and enter into business. But the acknowledgment of Jacob that he had not saved a dollar, and that he kept no private account, settled the matter in the merchant's mind, as far as he was concerned. About a month afterward, Jacob met his employer's nephew, who said, "'I'm going into business.' "'You are?' "'Yes.' "'What are you going to do?' "'Open a commission store.' "'Ah, can you get any good consignments?' "'I'm to have the agency for a new mill, which has just commenced operations, beside consignments of goods from several small concerns at the east.' "'You'll have to make advances.' "'To no great extent.' My uncle has secured the agency of the new mill here without any advance being required, and eight hundred or a thousand dollars will be as much as I shall need to secure as many goods as I can sell from the other establishment of which I speak. But where will the eight hundred or a thousand come from? My uncle has placed a thousand dollars at my disposal. Indeed, the whole thing is the result of his recommendation. Your uncle? "'You are a lucky dog. I wish I had a rich uncle. "'But there is no such good fortune for me.' "'This was the conclusion of Jacob Jones, "'who made himself quite unhappy for some weeks, "'brooding over the matter. "'He never once dreamed of the real cause "'of his not having had an equal share "'in his young friend's good fortune. "'He had not the most distant idea "'that his employer felt nearly as much regard for him "'as for his nephew, "'and would have promoted his interests as quickly.' "'if he had felt justified in doing so. "'It's my luck, I suppose,' was the final conclusion of his mind, "'and it's no use to cry about it. "'Anyhow, it isn't every man with a rich uncle "'and a thousand dollars advanced who succeeds in business, "'nor every man who starts without capital that is unsuccessful. "'I understand as much about business as the old man's nephew any day, "'and can get consignments as well as he can.' Three or four months after this, Jacob notified the merchant that he was going to start for himself, and asked his interest, as far as he could give it, without interfering with his own business. His employer did not speak very encouragingly about the matter, which offended Jacob. "'He's afraid I'll injure his nephew,' he said to himself. "'But he needn't be uneasy. The world is wide enough for us all, the old hunks.' Jacob borrowed a couple of hundred dollars, took a store at five hundred dollars a year rent, and employed a clerk and porter. He then sent his circulars to a number of manufacturers at the East, announcing the fact of his having opened a new commission house and soliciting consignments. His next move was to leave his boarding house, where he had been paying four dollars a week, and take lodgings at a hotel at seven dollars a week. Notwithstanding, Jacob went regularly to the post office twice every day. Few letters came to hand, and but few of them contained bills of lading and invoices. The result of the first year's business was an income from commission on sales of $700. Against this were the items of $1,000 for personal expenses, $500 for store rent, $700 for clerk and porter, and for petty and contingent expenses, two hundred dollars, leaving the uncomfortable deficit of seventeen hundred dollars, which stood against him in the form of bills payable for sales effected, and small notes of accommodation borrowed from his friends. 
The result of the first year's business of his old employer's nephew was very different. The gross profits were $3,000, and the expenses as followed. Personal expense, $700, just what the young man's salary had previously been, and out of which he supported his mother and her family. Store rent, $300, porter, 250 petty expenses, $100, in all, $1,350, leaving a net profit of $1,650. It will be seen that he did not go to the expense of a clerk during the first year. He preferred working a little harder and keeping his own books, by which an important saving was effected. At the end of the second year, notwithstanding Jacob Jones's business more than doubled itself, he was compelled to wind up, and found himself $2,500 worse than nothing. Several of his unpaid bills to eastern houses were placed in suit, and as he lived in a state where imprisonment for debt still existed, he was compelled to go through the forms required by the insolvent laws to keep clear of durance vile. At the very period when he was driven under by adverse gales, his young friend, who had gone into business about the same time, found himself under the necessity of employing a clerk. He offered Jones a salary of $400, the most he believed himself yet justified in paying. This was accepted, and Jacob found himself once more standing upon terra firma, although the portion upon which his feet rested was very small. Still, it was terra firma, and that was something. The real causes of his ill success never for a moment occurred to the mind of Jacob, he considered himself an unlucky dog. "'Everything that some people touch turns to money,' he would sometimes say, "'but I wasn't born under a lucky star.' Instead of rigidly bringing down his expenses, as he ought to have done, to $400, if he had had to live in a garret and cook his own food, Jacob went back to his old boarding-house and paid $4 a week. All his other expenses required at least $8 more to meet them. He was perfectly aware that he was living beyond his income. The exact excess he did not stop to ascertain, but he expected an increase of salary before long, as a matter of course, either in his present situation or in a new one. But no increase took place for two years, and then he was between three and four hundred dollars in debt to tailors, bootmakers, his landlady, and to sundry friends to whom he applied for small sums of money in case of emergency. One day about this time, two men were conversing together quite earnestly, as they walked leisurely along one of the principal streets of the city where Jacob resided. One was past the prime of life, and the other about twenty-two. They were father and son, and the subject of conversation related to the wish of the latter to enter into business. The father did not think the young man was possessed of sufficient knowledge of business, or experience, and was therefore desirous of associating someone with him who could make up these deficiencies. If he could just find the person that pleased him, he was ready to advance capital and credit to an amount somewhere within the neighbourhood of $20,000. For some months he had been thinking of Jacob, who was a first-rate salesman, had a good address, and was believed by him to possess business habits eminently conducive to success. The fact that he had once failed was something of a drawback in his mind, but he had asked Jacob the reason of his ill-success, which was so plausibly explained, 
that he considered the young man as simply unfortunate in not having capital and nothing else. "'I think Mr. Jones just the right man for you,' the father said as they walked along. "'I don't know of any one with whom I had rather form a business connection. "'He is a man of good address, business habits, and, as far as I know, good principles.' "'Suppose you mention the subject to him this afternoon.' "'This was agreed to. "'The two men then entered the shop of a fashionable tailor "'for the purpose of ordering some clothes. "'While there, a man, having the appearance of a collector, "'came in and drew the tailor aside. "'Their conversation was brief but earnest, "'and concluded by the tailor's saying, "'so loud that he could be heard by all who were standing near, "'It's no use to waste your time with him any longer,' "'Just hand over the account to Simpson and let him take care of it.' "'The collector turned away, and the tailor came back to his customers. "'It is too bad,' he said, "'the way some of these young fellows do serve us. "'I have now several thousand dollars on my books "'against clerks who receive salaries large enough to support them handsomely, "'and I can't collect a dollar of it. "'There is Jacob Jones, whose account I have just ordered "'to be placed in the hands of a lawyer.' He owes me nearly two hundred dollars, and I can't get a cent out of him. I call him little better than a scamp. The father and son exchanged glances of significance, but said nothing. The fate of Jacob Jones was sealed. If that is the case, said the father as they stepped into the street, the less we have to do with him, the better. To this the son assented. Another, more prudent young man was selected, whose fortune was made. When Jacob received Lawyer Simpton's note, threatening a suit if the tailor's bill were not paid, he was greatly disturbed. "'Am I not the most unfortunate man in the world?' he said to himself by way of consolation. "'After having paid him so much money to be served like this, it is too bad. But this is the way of the world. Let a poor devil once get a little under the weather, and everyone must have a kick at him.' In this dilemma, poor Jacob had to call upon the tailor and beg him for further time. This was humiliating, especially as the tailor was considerably out of humour and disposed to be hard with him. A threat to apply for the benefit of the insolvent law again, if a suit was pressed to an issue, finally induced the tailor to waive legal proceedings for the present, and Jacob had the immediate terrors of the law taken from before his eyes. This event set Jacob to thinking and calculating what he had never before deemed necessary in his private affairs. The result did not make him feel any happier. To his astonishment he ascertained that he owed more than the whole of his next year's salary would pay, while that was not in itself sufficient to meet his current expenses. For some weeks after this discovery of the real state of his affairs, Jacob was very unhappy he applied for an increase of salary and obtained the addition of one hundred dollars per annum this was something which was all that could be said if he could live on four hundred dollars a year which he had never yet been able to do the addition to his salary would not pay his tailor's bill within two years and what was he to do with bootmaker landlady and others it happened about this time that a clerk in the bank where his old employer was a director died his salary had been one thousand dollars for the vacant place jacob made immediate application and was so fortunate as to secure it 
Under other circumstances, Jacob would have refused a salary of $1,500 in a bank against 500 in a counting room, and for the reason that a bank or office clerk has little or no hope beyond his salary all his life, while a counting-house clerk, if he have any aptness for trade, stands a fair chance of getting into business sooner or later, and making his fortune as a merchant. But a debt of $400 hanging over his head was an argument in favour of a clerkship in the bank, at a salary of $1,000 a year, not to be resisted. "'I'll keep it until I get even with the world again,' he consoled himself by saying, "'and then I'll go back into a counting-room. "'I've an ambition above being a bank clerk all my life.' Painful experience had made Jacob a little wiser. For the first time in his life he commenced keeping an account of his personal expenses. This acted as a salutary check upon his bad habit of spending money for every little thing that happened to strike his fancy, and enabled him to clear off his whole debt within the first year. Unwisely, however, he had, during this time, promised to pay some old debts from which the law had released him. The person holding these claims, finding him in the receipt of a higher salary, made an appeal to his honour which, like an honest but not a prudent man, he responded to by a promise of payment as soon as it was in his power. But little time elapsed after these promises were made before he found himself in the hands of constables and magistrates, and was only saved from imprisonment by getting friends to go his bail for six and nine months. In order to secure them, he had to give an order in advance for his salary, to get these burdens off his shoulders, it took twelve months longer, and then he was nearly thirty years of age. Thirty years old,' he said to himself on his thirtieth birthday. "'Can it be possible? Long before this I ought to have been doing a flourishing business, and here I am, nothing but a bank clerk, with the prospect of never rising a step higher as long as I live. I don't know how it is that some people get along so well in the world.' I am sure I am as industrious, and can do business as well as any man, but here I am, still at the point from which I started twenty years ago. I can't understand it. I'm afraid there's more in luck than I'm willing to believe. From this time Jacob set himself to work to obtain a situation in some store or counting-room, and finally, after looking about for nearly a year, was fortunate enough to obtain a good place as bookkeeper and salesman, with a wholesale grocer and commission merchant. Seven hundred dollars was to be his salary. His friends called him a fool for giving up an easy place at one thousand a year, for a hard one at seven hundred, but the act was a much wiser one than many others of his life. Instead of saving money during the third year of his receipt of one thousand dollars, he spent the whole of his salary without paying off a single debt. His private account-keeping had continued through a year and a half. After that it was abandoned. Had it been continued, it might have saved him three or four hundred dollars, which were now all gone, and nothing to show for them. Poor Jacob! Experience did not make him much wiser. Two years passed, and at least half a dozen young men, here and there around our friend Jacob, went into business either as partners in some old houses or under the auspices of relatives or interested friends, but there appeared no opening for him. He did not know that many times during that period he had been the subject of conversation between parties, 
one or both of which were looking out for a man of thorough business qualifications against which capital would be placed nor the fact that either his first failure his improvidence or something else personal to himself had caused him to be set aside for some other one not near so capable he was lamenting his ill luck one day when a young man with whom he was very well acquainted and who was clerk in a neighbouring store called in and said that he wanted to have some talk with him about a matter of interest to both first of all mr jones said the young man after they were alone how much capital could you raise by a strong effort i am sure i don't know replied jacob not in a very cheerful tone i never was lucky in having friends ready to assist me well perhaps there will be no need of that you have had a good salary for four or five years how much have you saved enough probably to answer every purpose that is if you are willing to join me in taking advantage of one of the best openings for business that has offered for a long time i have a thousand dollars in the savings bank you have as much or more i presume i am sorry to say i have not was poor jacob's reply in a desponding voice i was unfortunate in business some years ago and my old debts have drained away from me every dollar i could earn indeed that is very unfortunate i was in hopes you could furnish a thousand dollars i might borrow it perhaps if the chance is a very good one well if you could do that it would be as well i suppose returned the young man but you must see about it immediately if you cannot join me at once i must find someone who will for the chance is too good to be lost jacob got a full statement of the business proposed its nature and prospects and then laid the matter before the three merchants with whom he had at different times lived in the capacity of clerk and begged them to advance him the required capital the subject was taken up by them and seriously considered they all liked jacob and felt willing to promote his interests but had little or no confidence in his ultimate success on account of his want of economy in personal matters it was very justly remarked by one of them that this want of economy and the judicious use of money in personal matters would go with him in business and mar all his prospects still as they had great confidence in the other man they agreed to advance jointly the sum needed in the meantime the young man who had made the proposition to jacob when he learned that he had once failed in business was still in debt and liable to have claims pushed against him this he inferred from jacob's having stretched the truth by saying that his old debts drained away from him every dollar when the fact was he was freed from them by the provisions of the insolvent law of the state came to the conclusion that a business connection with him was a thing to be avoided rather than sought after he accordingly turned his thoughts in another quarter and when jones called to inform him that he had raised the capital needed he was coolly told that it was too late he having an hour before closed a partnership arrangement with another person under the belief that jones could not advance the money required this was a bitter disappointment and soured the mind of jacob against his fellow-man and against the fates also which he alleged were all combined against him his own share in the matter was a thing undreamed of he believed himself far better qualified for business than the one who had been preferred before him and he had a thousand dollars to advance it must be his luck that was against him nothing else he could come to no other conclusion 
other people could get along in the world but he couldn't that was the great mystery of his life for two years jacob had been waiting to get married he had not wished to take this step before entering into business and having a fair prospect before him but years were creeping on him apace and the fair object of his affections seemed weary of delay it is no use to wait any longer he said after this dashing of his cup to the earth luck is against me i shall never be anything but a poor devil of a clerk if clara is willing to share my humble lot we might as well be married first as last clara was not unwilling and jacob jones entered into the estate connubial and took upon him the cares of a family with a salary of seven hundred dollars a year to sustain the new relation instead of taking cheap boarding or renting a couple of rooms and commencing housekeeping in a small way jacob saw but one course before him and that was to rent a genteel house go in debt for genteel furniture and keep two servants two years was the longest that he could bear up under this state of things when he was sold out by the sheriff and forced to go through the mill again as taking the benefit of the insolvent law was facetiously called poor fellow he has a hard time of it i wonder why it is that he gets along so badly he is an industrious man and regular in his habits it is strange but some men seem born to ill luck so said some of his pitying friends others understood the matter better ten years have passed and jacob is still a clerk but not in a store hopeless of getting into business he applied for a vacancy that occurred in an insurance company and received the appointment which he still holds at a salary of twelve hundred dollars a year after being sold out three times by the sheriff and having the deep mortification of seeing her husband brought down to the humiliating necessity of applying as often for the benefit of the insolvent law mrs jones took affairs by consent of her husband into her own hands and managed them with such prudence and economy that notwithstanding they have five children the expenses all told are not over eight hundred dollars a year and half of the surplus four hundred dollars is appropriated to the liquidation of debts contracted since their marriage and the other half deposited in the savings bank as a fund for the education of their children in the higher branches when they reach a more advanced age to this day it is a matter of wonder to jacob jones why he could never get along in the world like some people and he has come to the settled conviction that it is his luck end of jacob jones or the man who couldn't get along in the world by t s arthur